0: we've been in conversation with uh, ride-hailing companies, uh, likewise with taxis. We continue to engage with them. The passenger Transportation Board is engaging with them. There is a sense of excitement. We have had no indication. I mean, the regulations that we laid out earlier this week um, are ones that are very achievable, and I, I think that everybody's very eager to uh, operate in B.C. to come to B.C. to finally get the opportunity to explore our marketplace. Well,
1: Lyft, Lyft so I
0: think that um, there, there isn't. is genuine excitement about the potential of ride-hailing coming to B.C. this September.
2: One of the major uh, companies, Lyft, is not excited at all because of your requirement for a Class 4 license. In fact, they're looking at that and saying, that's absolutely ridiculous. Our drivers only drive about 20 hours a week. Why do they need to go out and get a professional driver's license?
0: Well, if as I've said, many times that this is, uh, uh, safety has to be number one. I think that anybody who's getting in a car that they are paying for a ride for, they want to know that they're safe or their kid is safe.
2: There you go. That's uh, Transport Minister Clara Trevina talking with John McComb earlier today. Well, we thought, okay, well, uh, she says that There's a lot of excitement. Uh, John McComb said, uh, not about Lyft. So we thought, why don't we go to the source? Aaron Zifkin is Managing Director for Lyft in Canada. Aaron, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. Well, let's talk about this. How excited are you? Well,
1: let's be clear. We are very excited to be bringing true ride-sharing to all the BC residents. It's obviously been a very long time coming. Um, Now, that excitement is about bringing reliable, and affordable ride-sharing, which is what true ride-sharing is. Unfortunately, what we are not excited about is around the Class 4 regulations, uh, which is a commercial driver's license. And just to be clear, there is no other jurisdiction in North America that we operate in where there's true ride-sharing that has a Class 4 commercial license.
2: Uh, well, let me ask you about the safety issue, and that's what the minister is presenting. Uh, wh- uh, you know, what do you do to make sure you know the passengers are safe? I mean, I found it a bit a bit much to suggest that major companies like your own are not uh, safety isn't first and foremost. So, uh, how do you address that side of the issue?
1: Well, safety has been first and foremost uh, always for Lyft, and it always will be for Lyft. Uh, we now operate millions of rides every single week. Uh, across North America and Ontario now. Uh, The frustrating thing, I think, for everybody is that there's absolutely no data to substantiate the claim that Class 4 is any safer than Class 5. In fact, ICBC has put out statistics themselves that said there is no statistical significance between the safety of a Class 4 or a Class 5 license. And so you've got to ask yourself the question, what's holding it up?
2: And also ask yourself the question, why are they going this route when it's expensive? When it, to me, it just adds further delays. That would certainly be the criticism, but your point's very well taken. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, ride-sharing has been in existence now for years in several jurisdictions, major cities. In fact, Vancouver is the only one off the top of my head that I can't think doesn't have it. So the data is there. There's uh, lots of information if you want it. And that would have been one of my first questions is, uh, what about substantiating the claim? That somehow requiring a, a class four license means that there's a higher degree of safety, and uh, well, I'm glad you're saying that because I hadn't seen any.
1: Yeah, and, and let's let's take the safety conversation even further uh, on what the reality is today with these new technologies. I'll give you just an example. I was I was in uh, Vancouver earlier this week and uh, got to YVR, and I was in a taxi on my way downtown and. I got into the car and I looked at the driver and I had no idea if that driver was actually uh, attached to that particular car. I had no way to substantiate that. Whereas on the Lyft app, I get a photo of my driver and it corresponds with the correct license plate. I also don't have to pull out my credit card. It's already attached to the platform. I can share my ride with with my friends and family and let them know where I am. uh, And I get a digital receipt. But I think the most important thing, and this was, by the way, this is the actual story that happened. I had a driver that was driving erratically, and when I got out of the car, I really had no way to actually go out there and figure out how can I get this driver off the road so nobody else is put in danger. Whereas on the Lyft app, we have a two-way review system. So as soon as I'm out of the car on the Lyft app, I can actually rate my driver. And if the rating isn't satisfactory, we will actually suspend the driver immediately uh, while an investigation takes place. So that, that to me is true safety in 2019. Uh, and again, you just need to be a BC resident to know that you know, when a bar is let out or a Vancouver Canucks game is over and you can't get yourself home safely in a car, um, you know, that, that really is an issue around safety for BC residents, and that's what we want to solve. Report after report after report has come out saying that the issue in BC is around supply, having the right amount of cars at the right time in the right place. And if you introduce a Class 4 licensing system unnecessarily, you're not going to get that type of supply and actually solve the root cause of the problem.
2: Well, there's and so many aspects. And, and again, one of the challenges here, Aaron, is that you've got a large proportion of the population has never been able uh, to do ride-sharing. I mean, there many have. I mean, I've done it throughout the States and other parts of Canada. And uh, just to verify what you said, I find it very comforting that, one, I love the idea that uh, no money necessarily changes hands. You've got my credit card on file, Two, I know exactly when you're coming. Three, I know who the driver is. Uh, four, I can immediately, and it is immediate, I can rate that driver rate that experience and by the way as can drivers the other direction by the way if i'm not someone you should have in your you know cab they'll find that out pretty quickly with a few x's about my name so it's sort of a a good two-way street but all of that takes place exactly as you're describing and i love the uh, also the aspect and i'm thinking more um you know with a daughter let's say who takes ride sharing that we know where she is you know that we can track that and uh i I uh, that's a big positive for me
1: yeah Yeah, exactly. And then you also think about impaired driving and, you know, there's some amazing statistics that are out there. Again, real data to substantiate claims that the introduction of true ride sharing, having the right ride at the right time actually reduces DUIs. And in fact, in Miami, uh, where they had a really bad problem there with, with DUIs, since the introduction of ride sharing there, they've seen DUI arrests decline by 65%. 65%. 65% So now you're really solving some of these big problems and real safety issues of getting these people off
2: the road. And and as you say, now we've got data from so many different centers, so many different parts. And, and again, uh, you know, I'd seen the same study in Miami where they show a 65% drop. And keep in mind, and again, I'm not sure how familiar you are with our insurance market, but our insurance corporation, you know, is sort of a monopoly, a semi-monopoly here. And they've had a huge problem with costs. Well, this is another way of reducing costs in two ways. One is maybe people don't get in the car, you know, period. And, uh, you know, you can see a reduction or a correlation between, ride-sharing and, uh, you know, higher driver safety because, simply put, people don't get in under the influence of alcohol, which maybe they make a bad choice because they can't get a cab. And shortage of, as you say, shortage of taxis is a big issue here.
1: That's right. Let's, let's, let's oversimplify this. This, this. this is a very simple problem in B.C. There's not enough supply. And when you look at the driver community in Lyft, 91% of those drivers will drive for less than 20 hours a week, and they're doing so to earn some supplemental income. But the more important thing to note is that these type of drivers are the ones who are picking you up at 2 o'clock in the morning after the bars close or after a concert or when there's peak demand. We need these drivers on the platform to be able to serve our passengers and bring world-class service, which we have throughout North America and Ontario. The thing that I'm excited about is bringing that to BC residents so people can enjoy their city again um, at at any time and know that they're going to have a reliable and an affordable ride home. That's very exciting to us.
2: Well, I appreciate very much you finding time for us today. Uh, We've been talking a lot about this. Uh, Aaron Zivkin is the Managing Director for Lyft in Canada. Thank you, Aaron.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having us.